Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. What age does perimenopause start? Did you know that studies show it actually starts in your late 30s, around the ages of 37, 38 or so, And for those of us who are in the midst of this transition of life, there's a lot of questions and a lot of changes that people have, and they wonder if this is normal, natural, or if there's some sort of medication or supplement or something they can take to help ease some of the symptoms, cramping, hot flashes, mood swings, all sorts of different things. So today I'm joined in the studio by a guest we've had on before, Dr. Monique Ewan. She is a naturopath here in the islands. And we're going to talk today about what are some of the hormone changes that occur as we get older, and is there anything we can do about it? Please tell me that answer is yes. Yes. (laughs) Yay. Thank you for joining me here in the studio, and we are going to have a very good conversation. So tell me a little bit about becoming a naturopath. So for me to become a medical doctor, I went to college, I went to four years of medical school, I did a residency training, and then here I am practicing medicine here in Hawaii at Straub Medical Center about a little over 20 years. So that's been my trajectory Mm -hmm. to where I'm at. What was yours? So mine is very similar. I got a pre-medical degree from University of Hawaii, and then I went to National, it used to be called National College of Naturopathic Medicine in Portland, Oregon. It's also a four-year medical school. And so we study all the same courses, um, you know, basic sciences, anatomy, physiology. We do get more nutrition, but then we also get botanical herbs. We learn palpation, a lot of different other subjects that kind of go more in the in, integrate, um, integrative medicine. Integrative world. medicine, yes. So after the four years, then you have your uh, degree. And you can practice as a licensed practitioner in certain states. So in Hawaii, we are considered primary care physicians. And so you've had a practice now in the islands for about how long? Wow, let's see. Since at least 18 years. 18 years. Okay. <laughs> yes, 18 years. Do math skills go away as I well, very monopausally? Because I've had some issues myself, I'll tell you. But uh, all right. So now this is something that, you know, one of the things that I remember you done, you did almost 10 years ago is started giving lectures in yes. the community about some of the hormone changes that, that occur as both men and women get older. And you've been able to really help a lot of people through this transition. And lo and behold, time marches on. And now we're both at that age. I How know. wonderful. It was really funny because when I first started having my talks at Kapiolani, at the Women's Center on menopause, they, the women used to look at me and go, hmm, you don't know what we're going through. You're way too young. And I used to get, get that comment a lot. And I was what, in my, let's see, I'm 46 now, so I was 36. And I wasn't feeling the major aspects of perimenopause. And I would definitely say 10 years later, now I can really understand. <laughs> Yeah, now I, you know, it's funny because it's like if you ever go somewhere and you have to buy a bottle of wine or something and they card you and you're so excited because <laughs> you're like, you think I'm young. This is wonderful. I love it. Thank you for carding me. And so, you know, years ago when you first started giving these talks, they're like, you don't know. No, you're too totally. young. And yes. now here we are. I'm a year older than you are. I do not <laughs> want to admit it. I just did. 
and it's perimenopause time. So what are some of the things that you think you've learned in the last couple of years, either through firsthand experience or through having some of your patients come in and tell you that surprised you, that maybe you had heard about theoretically, but Mm -hmm. now when it actually happens, it's sort of, wow, I didn't anticipate this. I think the hardest thing has been um, not sleeping all the way through the night. Because you get up I will have to get up, maybe have to go to the bathroom, maybe at four in the morning, which I never used to. I used to be able to sleep like a baby all the way through my eight hours that I love. And now I've noticed I'm okay. I'm not totally sleeping all the way through. I will get up, you know, with, you know, like a little noise or, you know, it's not as deep. And I really miss that. (laughs) Do you notice, is that something that happens more when you're in your own home or if you go on vacation, does it happen? Or is there any any differential based on where you are in your sleeping? Or no, no matter where you are in the world, this is your new schedule? That's kind of my new schedule. So that's something I'm trying to work on right now. So Sleeping one, problems, okay. Yes, yeah, sleeping problems, which I think I kind of started going into perimenopause having adrenal issues. And that's one of the things that I used to talk about in my talks was that for women, as you're going to go through perimenopause, which, like we said, starts around 36, if your adrenals, like say you have a lot of stress in your life. Oh, I know nothing about that. (laughs) Right. No, not at all. If you have lots of stress in your life, then your adrenals might not function as well. And that takes up the slack of making some of the hormones. So, you know, your hormones are supposed to naturally decline anyway. But it's if your adrenals are not working properly, which is a big part of that endocrine triad, I like to say it's the ovaries, the adrenals, and the thyroid. And they have to be balanced well in order for you to feel well. So for me, the adrenals were kind of shot from medical school. <laughs> I can understand that. And I have to always keep that, you know, going good. And if that's not going good, then it starts to affect my circadian rhythm. And I think that's what's affecting my sleep. So what could you do to help your adrenal glands? Now, let's talk, first of all, about where they are. Adrenal glands are on top of the kidneys. They're deep inside the body. They produce some of the stress hormones and a couple of other uh, hormones that help our body to function. And so when you're stressed, I often tell people, if you're under a lot of stress, your adrenal glands at some point pump out all these stress hormones they can. And now they just can't anymore. They need to replenish. So they're just not functioning well. People talk about adrenal insufficiency, just not having enough. If it gets really bad, you can measure it in blood tests. Sometimes Mm -hmm. if it's not yet at that level, you can still have the symptoms of that that you might not detect in a blood test, but you have all the classic findings. So what are those findings? And what does it feel like or what are the symptoms of having your adrenals not work well? And how do you fix it? Okay, so a lot of people with adrenal insufficiency usually will have issues with sleep. So they might have insomnia. It means their cortisol rhythm could be off, and everybody has a natural cortisol rhythm. So it's supposed to be highest in the morning to wake you up, and then it kind of um, goes down a little, and then it gets really low around 1 to 3 p.m., and that's when most people feel tired. 
like sleepy. I would pay somebody to let me take a nap. I know. Well, other countries do. They have that siesta. I've just got to move there. (laughs) Yeah, I've just got to live somewhere where long lunch hours and nap time is just part of the routine. So what most people do is they will snack or they'll have caffeine drink. Are that you in of- my head? <laughs> were you watching me this afternoon? Oh, I've seen it. So <laughs> Okay. I've done it. And Caffeine. I've done it too. Okay. It's so like, around 1.30, 2 o'clock, it's like, what did I have for lunch? I so want a nap. I need some caffeine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so what else so would be a sign low. of this insufficiency? So um, some people will feel anxious. Okay. Uh, it can affect your mood because that's also very related. Um, so anxiety is a big run. Uh I say like fatigue, so you can feel kind of wired and tired at the like same time. Like anxious, wired, and tired. Yes, all of them. Yes. Okay. So those are. This probably is sounding the- freakishly familiar. <laughs> Won't say why. Okay. And so when you have that, if you recognize that these are symptoms you're experiencing, right? What can you do about it? You said it's this triad. We're talking ovarian hormones, thyroid hormones, adrenal hormones. So if you feel as though you're having this sensation and you're experiencing some of these things, Mm -hmm. then how do you help your adrenal glands? I want mine to function really well. I love sleep. Why can't I get more? Right. So something, of course, a lot of it is lifestyle. So, you know, like making sure you sleep the same time every night. So if you're working a lot and you're overworking, you know, Making sure that you do some stress management, basically, and looking at your lifestyle. So sleeping at the same time every night um, and waking up, trying to wake up at the same time. Even on weekends, I've got to say, that has helped me dramatically, which I never thought I'd want to do. But it really does. If you get in a regular schedule and you just keep that schedule even on weekends, your life is easier. Adrenals really like schedule, and that's even with how you eat. So eating, you know, meals at the same amount of time um, because your blood, it really also helps with blood sugar. And if your blood sugar is going up and down as well, so it depends on what you're eating. So if you're eating like a high sugar meal and then you're crashing and you're bringing your blood sugar up and down, that also stresses your adrenals out too. So it creates the stress hormone, which is a fight or flight hormone. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to hear more about how we can fight the fight-or-flight hormone and support our adrenals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Monique Ewan. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about symptoms of your adrenals needing some help. And then physically, what can you do about it? Are there any supplements, lifestyle changes, sleeping habits? How do we keep our adrenals happy and hopefully keep ourselves healthier as we go through various different transitions in life? And in this case, hormonal transitions for perimenopausal women. Oh, what a joy. Okay, we'll be right back. Stay with us.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Monique Ewan. And today we're talking about hormone changes and perimetopause. So the sad fact of life that, although some people may not think is sad, I'm just going to own that, is that perimetopause sometimes starts in your late 30s, 36, 37, 38. And a lot of the changes that women experience kind of magnify as they get older. And one of the things we've been talking about is the adrenal glands, these wonderful little glands that are on top of the kidneys. But if we get stressed too much, we can cause an effect with adrenal function, and that can make people feel anxious, wired, and tired all at once. So there are some things that can be done to help support the adrenals. And right before the break, we were talking a little bit about trying to keep a standard sleep schedule, trying not to let your blood sugar fluctuate too much. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that, although I love that mid-afternoon caffeine, probably not the best thing for me. Are there any other things we can do? Are there foods that can help the adrenal glands? Are there supplements that can help? What else can we do to keep those adrenals happy? So B vitamins are very good for the adrenals, especially B5, which is pantothenic acid. So I make sure I take that. Um, also, I like certain herbal formulas. So we, I use a lot of adaptogen herbs. What's an adaptogen? Adaptogen herbs are herbs that you can take safely daily. And what they do is they kind of like tonify your organ that you're working on. So an adaptogen herb that is really good for the adrenals is something like licorice or rhodiola, ashwagandha as well. So in a lot of these uh, adrenal formulations, you will see those combinations. So you can't just get it from saying, I'm going to get some Twizzlers and eat some licorice. That's not really what we're talking about. No, not licorice from Twizzlers. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm just asking. Yeah. Maybe no one else would want to know that. So so it's, it's a combination of different herbal supplements that yes. help support your adrenal glands, safe enough to take every day. Yes. Do they generally interfere with other medications? Could there be a concern if you're on blood thinners or thyroid medicine or heart medicine, or is it generally safe? Generally, it's safe licorice. I would say it depends on the amount, but usually it's if you take too much for some people who have high blood pressure, it could raise their blood pressure. So you could check your blood pressure before you use it, monitor your blood pressure afterwards and make sure there's no major change. Yes. So like a lot of people with adrenal insufficiency will tend to have low blood pressure actually, but you can also, well... You could also be in that uh, weird adrenal phase where you're kind of hyper before you crash. You're kind of like revving your engine but not going anywhere, and you're going to crash soon. And that's kind of like the hyperadrenal phase. And sometimes your blood pressure will be affected because your blood pressure is really goes up with cortisol. So if your cortisol is up, then, of course, your blood pressure will go up. And if you have another reason to be hypertensive... That may happen at the same time, whether yes. it be genetics or salt or some other type yes, of cardiac issue. Yes, because there's multiple reasons sure. that you could be hypertensive. Yes, you laugh as you smile at me oh, like, gosh. I know why you're hypertensive. Well, okay. So now the adrenals are part of this triad. Yes. The other part of the triad you've alluded to is your thyroid. Yes. What's going on with the thyroid? And it's supposed to keep our metabolism going. Where did mine go? Where did yours go? Oh, no. So thyroid to me, is very linked to the adrenals. So as you see your adrenals going up, then the thyroid will respond to that. And 
with so much stress going on in your body, then the thyroid can either go hypo or hyper. And that's what's kind of tricky because that affects your metabolism. So if you're very hypo, though, say your body is getting very fatigued and you're starting to run out of steam, and then you become hypothyroid on top of that. That's kind of how it all kind of links in together. And then you'll start to notice even your female hormones are starting to show that as well. Then you're, getting, you're gaining weight, and you're feeling fatigued. And now, because it's affecting your metabolism, then you, know, you might not be getting enough oxygen to your brain. So you get the brain fog, and other things are not working as well. So all of these things really, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. they're intricately connected with one another. So if you have a thyroid issue, is that something that's easy to detect in blood tests? Or could you find that you have normal blood tests, but you're actually headed towards that thyroid problem? And it's if you wait until the blood tests are affected, you might be waiting longer than you need to. There's that condition, the subclinical hypothyroidism. Should that be treated? I think it should be. And with what? Standard hormones, or is there any other adaptogen to support your thyroid? There are adaptogens to support your thyroid, like ashwagandha, and there's also uh, organotherapy that people use. I I tend to actually treat the adrenals to help the thyroid. So I, I have successfully seen people, if you treat their adrenals first, get the stress levels down, really support that, then the thyroid goes back to normal. But you know, there's other things that you could do. Like, I, you know, your, adren- your thyroid needs iodine and selenium. So you can get that from food or you can take a supplement. And that will help the function of your thyroid better as well. But it all depends. It's a, such a fine balance. It really sounds like it's sort of yeah. you're, you're kind of on this balance beam in a way. Yes. And everything has to be accurately taken care of at the same level. So let's talk about ovarian function because that's the other part of the triad. Mm -hmm. And we know that as women go through menopause, we start to see that there are some changes in the ovaries' ability to produce hormones. And some of those things are what are commonly associated with menopausal symptoms. Women will have hot flashes or they'll have irregular cycles or heavy cycles followed by light cycles and all sorts of changes. What is the normal function of the ovary and how is that affected by your adrenals and your thyroid through this whole perimetopausal time? So your ovaries, of course, make your sex hormones, your estrogen, your progesterone, and testosterone, and you do need all three. So as you're going through perimenopause, you're getting these fluctuations in estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, but we'll focus mostly on estrogen and progesterone. And, you know, we... In our normal cycle, we even have those fluctuations. So like PMS, uh, symptoms like that can actually show you, like, is my cycle, I guess, balanced? And how will I respond to perimenopause? So perimenopause is just, is this time where everything is fluctuating. And it so depends on what's going on in your life. How is your adrenals handling? How is your thyroid handling? And if those things are out of balance, then it'll affect how much estrogen, progesterone, and how you do on your cycle. So, so it's really all related. It is all related. And I, I suspect you're going to tell me it gets back to 
working on lifestyle, lowering your stress, eating things that don't have as much sugar, trying to keep your sugar balanced, trying to work on regular exercise, Mm -hmm. regular sleep. So controlling those things you can and keeping those things steady and stable may help with some of the other fluctuations that could be natural but could be improved by really focusing on those lifestyle habits. Right. So it's it's almost like you have to work really hard, a lot harder at it. It makes me stressed. I know. <laughs> I'm stressed about trying to work on trying to lower my stress. Interesting. Just right. makes me want to sleep. Meditation. And then I get up at 4 a.m. like you exercise. do. All right. I'm not getting up at 4 a.m. to exercise. I'll tell you that. But, uh, okay, so these are some things that can work. Are there any other changes that occur with other hormones or other parts of the body that – that also affect this triad. Do we see any difference in energy levels that could be related to, you know, glutathione or some other type of uh, thing that would impact our body and our ability to function and have energy? Well, like, it's interesting you bring up glutathione because definitely for, you know, glutathione is like a major... um, antioxidant that your body needs to process hormones. So what's interesting is if you have an issue with making glutathione in your body, and you know, your liver very much handles that. So if your liver is, I guess the best word would be compromised or has issues with detoxifying hormones, then you're going to have a problem making glutathione to help you process out your hormones. And that goes into a deeper discussion. So, like, I can talk on personal experience that I've done, like, a 23andMe, and I know that I have issues with a phase 2 part of my liver detox pathways. So I know that I have issues actually getting out the bad estrogens, and I need to support that part of my cycle. So if I take like liver supplementation regularly, then I will process my hormones out properly. So if you don't process out your hormones, that's how you get more like of an estrogen dominance, how you get things that kind of build up in your system and you're not able to get rid of it. And that also leads to symptoms as well. All right. So we've added glutathione (laughs) to adrenals, low stress, better thyroid, and ovarian function. Okay, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Monique Ewan. And when we come back, she's going to give us the easy ways that we can find the answer. What are some simple tips to help balance our bodies so that we can really help ourselves throughout this transition, no matter what age you are? Because some of the things we're talking about with lifestyle, honestly, that affects all of us and stress levels at any age. So when we come back, we're going to talk some more about that and I'm going to put her in the hot seat and tell her, fix my life, Dr. Yuan, tell me what to do. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with Dr. Monique Ewan. And today we are talking about things that happen to our hormones and our bodies during 
perimenopause. And so right before the break, we we're talking a little bit about liver support. And you mentioned that your liver is the organ that helps to detoxify things in the body. We know that the liver helps to handle and metabolize medicine, but it also helps to metabolize some of the different hormones that are in our body and keep the balance correct. And mm-hmm. you mentioned that if it's not correct, we could have a problem with maybe the estrogens that shouldn't be predominant in our body right. being the ones predominant, which is why that could cause some other negative effects down the line. But you mentioned that, you know, if you don't support your liver. So I like my liver. I want it to be supported. How can I support my liver? What can I do? So you can do simple things like just eating foods that are good for your liver. So what does my liver like to eat? Like beets, uh, artichoke. I like burdock a lot. That's really good for your liver. Like my my stomach doesn't like any of those things. (laughs) Maybe beets, but I'm not big on artichoke, and I don't know what burdock is. Burdock is oh maybe um, the Japanese call it gobo. Okay. Have you had that before? I'm gonna say no. No, yeah, it's a root vegetable. Okay. Uh, So eat good vegetables. That'll make my liver happy. Root root vegetables. Okay. And there are some good herbs for your liver like milk thistle and of course the b vitamins are very good magnesium is it it okay if i just say i just want to be complex i'm just going to start taking one of those or should i really focus on different specific b vitamins you mentioned b5 panthenoic acid i know that that sort of helps grow strong healthy hair so i'd like some more of that so let's 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 okay but is it is it b complex okay or do i have to get specific types of b vitamins a b complex i think is okay to start with okay good starting Uh, b12 is also good okay and of course you know people would say methylated b are better Uh, but it all depends of course on i think it goes more into genetics now because now that's what everybody's looking at now, you said magnesium. Magnesium, because we lose a lot of magnesium throughout Where the day. Where does it go? We just pee it out. Or it just if we're stressed, we use a lot of magnesium. So how can I get magnesium? Is, is it only through a supplement? Are there certain foods that are magnesium-rich? Well, I don't know those offhand, but I know a lot of green leafy Green vegetables. leafy vegetables? Yes. Like spinach? Spinach is like a cure-all for lots of green stuff. So, okay, so fine and kale, maybe there could be some additional minerals that are in those. Also, yeah, I should mention the brassica family is very good for their liver because it has um, indole-3-carbonyl, which is also like, I don't know if anybody's heard of DIM, but that's also very good for helping you make sure you have the proper estrogens and that you're getting rid of the bad estrogens. So there is such thing as bad estrogen and good estrogen. So eating a lot of Brussels sprouts, kale, cauliflower, broccoli, anything in the brassica family is very helpful for cleaning out your liver as well. You had me at broccoli. You lost me at Brussels sprouts. Okay. Little cabbage heads of horror. (laughs) I know they could taste good, but I've never found them to be delicious. I will work on that. I will try Brussels sprouts just for you. So if you were to really focus on your diet, you can help support your liver, and then that will also help support your body's other functions. Mm -hmm. Thus, you'll be able to handle some of the other changes that occur. Now, diet changes, yes. Exercise changes, yes. Yes. If somebody wanted to get a consultation, you've talked a lot about the personalization of what you do. Mm -hmm. Are there ways that they can find 
you or find services that will help them to kind of give them that personalized approach. Because, you know, one person may say they have more thyroid symptoms. Someone else may say they have more symptoms of another type. Where can they find information that would be personalized to them? So they can see a naturopath. I have a website. It's uh, www.drmoniqueun, all one word, so dr and then my name, dot com. And you can call me and book a consultation that way or email me. And uh, there's lots of resources online, but it is a very tailored thing to do to try to figure out exactly what in your what's going on with your hormones. Is it my adrenals? Is it my thyroid? Is it my ovaries? Or is it all three? And I need to look at all three of them. How are we going to balance that out? Well, and we always have to be careful with what websites we go to. Right. I mean, I have I have patients come in and say, look what I found on Wikipedia, and it could be right, and it might not be. So sometimes just having that way to vet some of the websites to find out is the information accurate and appropriate is another thing that's a really helpful tool. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't believe that the time has flown already, but we are definitely going to have to go ahead and have you on again and again and again (laughs) as we both get just a little bit older. All right. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's Dr. Monique Ewan, and you can find her on the web if you'd like to hear this show again. You can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk about more health topics right here on The Body Show. See you then.